there. Welcome to The Table, Conversations on Youth Justice, the show where we take on issues of youth justice in Michigan. I'm your host, Gabrielle Dresner, and today I'm going to walk you through the Michigan youth justice system. We'll discuss the ins and outs of Michigan's county-based system, what it means to be justice involved, and more. Be sure to listen all the way through for details on upcoming events. So what is the mystical youth justice system? I asked some friends and family what they thought, and here's what they said. Youth justice means to me that young offenders are being treated fairly for whatever crimes they may have committed, but giving a second chance at rehabilitation so that they don't end up in the system. What does youth justice mean to me? Youth justice means that there would be some opportunity for corrective action rather than a juvenile detention. What does youth justice mean to me? I would say kids that commit crimes but can't be tried as an adult, they can be taught to improve their behavior and make amends or own up to what they did. The definition changes depending on who you ask, but for the purposes of this podcast, The youth justice system is an all-encompassing term for any sort of formal contact with the legal system as it pertains to children and young adults. This system, specifically designed for young people, was developed in the 1800s with two general points of origin. The first, the New York House of Refuge, was founded in 1825 with the goal of training youthful offenders to work hard, earn money, and be devoted to their religion. It was also designed to remove youth from troublesome circumstances that may have contributed to their criminality. The House of Refuge was riddled with abuses that did little to rehabilitate youth. This quote-unquote reform school set the stage for present-day residential homes and youth prisons. The second point of origin was the 1899 Cook County Juvenile Court. The first of its kind, this court was specifically designed to address the unique needs of justice-involved youth. It was the era of social justice reform, heavily influenced by a group of social activists in Chicago who would later be touted as some of the influencers of modern social work. Spurred on by one of these women, Lucy Flower, a progressive woman and wealthy philanthropist, the Illinois legislature passed a bill creating the first juvenile justice system. The initial intention of the juvenile court was to serve as a stand-in parents when needed and to provide youth a chance at growing into successful and crime-free adults. There's been recognition over the years that kids are developmentally different than adults, and therefore they need to be treated differently. We now know that this is backed by developmental and brain sciences, showing that brains are not fully developed until our mid-20s. Without getting too much into the science, Adolescent and young adult brains are underdeveloped in specific regions that govern inhibition, risk-taking, future planning, and novelty-seeking behavior. What this means in non-science language is that kids physically don't have the ability to recognize long-term consequences of their actions, and they only really look at whether or not the action is exciting or will impress their friends. In its first iteration, the juvenile justice system acted very informally. Much of the process relied on testimony, not evidence. Additionally, youth weren't provided the same rights that those in adult court were. This, in combination with the lack of formality, opened a door to the potential for corruption. 
Over the last 122 years, much has changed throughout the system. From 1899 to 1925, the juvenile justice system expanded across the country with all but two states, Maine and Wyoming, conforming, both of which now have their own juvenile courts. Several major Supreme Court cases have influenced the juvenile court process, providing the formalization that it was previously lacking. In 1967, the United States Supreme Court ruled on, in Ray Galt, that youth are awarded many of the same due process rights as adults, including some very important ones like the right to an attorney and the right to avoid self-incrimination. Though there are some similarities, the juvenile justice system is specifically designed for youth and it differs slightly from the adult system. I'm going to walk us through the various steps of the juvenile court process and highlight some key areas where they differ. First is what's called a petition. This is how the youth enters the court system, and the reasonings can range from things like theft or assault to what are referred to as status offenses. A status offense is when a kid does something that's illegal only because they're a kid. Examples of this would include running away or missing too much school. Petitions for status offenses can be filed by anyone, but petitions for non-status offenses are filed by prosecutors who review the police reports. Next up are the preliminary hearing and the pre-trial conference. In the preliminary hearing, the youth is told what they're being charged with and what their rights are. Often, this can be incredibly confusing for kids, which is why it's so important that the youth have someone there to help them through it. During the preliminary hearing, the court may decide to put the youth in a diversion program in an attempt to limit formal court involvement. After prelim is the pretrial conference. This is where it's decided if the case will go to trial or not. At this point, the youth can plead guilty or go to trial where they may be found innocent or guilty. A quick side note, in the youth justice system, a guilty plea or verdict is called an adjudication. You'll hear me use that term from here on out. During the court process, youth go before a judge or a magistrate, not a jury. The proceedings are typically private or not open to the public. During the sentencing process, called a disposition in juvenile court, the court decides the best course of action for the youth. Unlike in adult court, kids aren't typically sentenced to a term of incarceration in prison, but they can be sent to residential homes or detention centers. Similar to adult prisons, these facilities are secure facilities that restrict youth's movements and actions. A judge could also decide that the youth is safe to be in the community and require them to do community service, therapy, or some similar community-based programming. Often, families are included in the treatment portion of the disposition, which differs greatly from the adult court. So you may have noticed that throughout the podcast, I've been using terms like justice-involved youth or just youth rather than juvenile, delinquent, or offender. That's because those terms are outdated and can be pretty damaging to youth. The more you label a kid as a bad kid, the more likely they are to believe it. According to the Michigan Judicial Institute, the goal of the juvenile justice system is to place an emphasis on the rehabilitation of youth. It stands to reason, then, that we wouldn't want to use terms that harm kids and slow their progress. We at MCYJ believe that kids who get in trouble are just kids and that they deserve a second chance. All right, so now we know a bit about the history of the juvenile justice system and a bit about the lingo. So let's talk specifics. The age of jurisdiction, or how old youth in the juvenile justice system can be, varies from state to state. In Michigan, kids up to 18 are considered eligible for juvenile court. This is thanks to some recently passed legislation called Raise the Age. Until 2021, kids in Michigan were only considered kids until they were 17. 
Now, with a new law, 17-year-olds are able to be tried in the juvenile court and receive services designed for kids. Michigan was one of the last states to make this change, and MCYJ is really proud to have worked to advance this effort. There's currently not a lower age limit, meaning that, theoretically, a kid of any age could be brought into court. Most youth involved in Michigan's juvenile justice system are charged with misdemeanor and nonviolent crimes, such as property crimes or status offenses. Michigan courts operate in a way that is referred to as decentralized. This means that each county, of which there are 83, sort of does their own thing when it comes to the juvenile court. Some counties share juvenile courts due to their counties having a lower population. Because of this, there are 57 juvenile courts in Michigan, each with their own complex system of policies, practices, programs, and partnerships. While each court is operated locally, they are all primarily funded by the same sources. The individual counties allocate money to their juvenile courts, with most of the remaining budget being supplemented by the Child Care Fund. The Child Care Fund operates as a reimbursement for counties, covering 50% of eligible costs. Courts will spend the money to cover costs and submit for reimbursement from the state. Community-based programs, foster care, and out-of-home placement costs are typically eligible for reimbursement. In 2019, Michigan spent approximately $400 million from the Child Care Fund. This is including child welfare costs, so it's not clear how much of this is specifically related to juvenile justice. Some courts will use fines and fees as an additional way to supplement their budgets and cover additional costs. This is a very nuanced issue, which will be covered in a later episode. In 2020, Governor Whitmer signed Senate Bill 681 and Senate Bill 682, making juvenile court records non-public and providing an automatic process for expungement. MCYJ is honored to have worked to advance these bills, and we're grateful for the support of our partners, the legislature, and the governor as well. Most recently, Governor Whitmer appointed members to the Juvenile Justice Task Force. Included in these members is MCYJ's Executive Director, Jason Smith. The task force is chaired by Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist and will focus on analyzing the Michigan youth justice system. The goal of the task force is to provide evidence-based recommendations on how to improve outcomes for justice-involved youth. On convening the group, Governor Whitmer was quoted as saying, we need to start focusing on uplifting our young Michiganders and treat them with dignity and respect, and first and foremost, recognize that they are children. We cannot allow an early mistake to define the rest of a child's life. We couldn't agree more. The youth justice system is a complex web of programming and funding. This episode is a great start to untangling that web, but we have so much more work to do. That's all the time we have for today. But before we go, here are a few of our upcoming events. On May 5th at 6 p.m., MTYJ will be hosting our annual gala. This year's theme is Building Community for Change. Details on the event and tickets can be found on our website at miyouthjustice.org events. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to help support the show. If you'd like more information on any of the topics discussed today, there are links in the show notes. To donate to MCYJ and support our work, please go to miyouthjustice.org. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash miyouthjustice, Twitter at justicenmi, and Instagram at micenterforyouthjustice. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time at the table.